This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with Dimension X. It was an NBC radio program that was broadcast mostly on an unsponsored, sustaining basis from April 8th of 1950 to September 29th of 1951. The first 13 episodes were broadcast live, and the remainder were pre-recorded. Fred Way and Edward King were the directors. Norman Rose was heard as both announcer and narrator. For two months, beginning on July 1950, the series was sponsored by Wheaties. Dimension X was not the first adult science fiction series on radio, but the acquisition of previously published stories immediately gave it a strong standing within the science fiction community, as did the choice of well-established and respected writers in the field like Isaac Asimov, Robert Bloch, Ray Bradbury, and Robert Heinlein, to name a few. Ernest Canoy and George Lefertz adapted most of the stories and also provided original scripts. In science fiction television that was published in 19, uh, pardon me, in 2004, M. Keith Booker wrote, It was not until the 1950s that science fiction radio really hit its stride, even as science fiction was beginning to appear on television as well. Radio programs such as Mutual's 2000 Plus and NBC's Dimension X were anthology series that offered a variety of exciting tales of future technology with a special focus on space exploration, including alien invasion, although both theories were often reflected contemporary anxieties about the dangers of technology. Now, here's the episode entitled Martian Embassy. Adventures in Time and Space, told in future tense. Dimension Out of the infinitude of stars and planets in the solar system and other systems in the universe... It is almost mathematically certain that there exist other forms of life on other worlds. Someday in the future, in a thousand years, or in the next ten minutes, daring travelers through space will make contact with the inhabitants of another world. But the question is, will we contact them first or will they contact us? Come in. Roderick's private detective agency. Check. My name is Graphius. Graphius of Springfield. I would like to see Mr. Broderick. Check. What is it, Dolan? There's a guy outside. A kind of a guy? Oh, a great big guy with a big shining head and thick glasses like the bottoms of Coca-Cola bottles. 
And he looks like a professor or something. What I mean is, does he look like a client or a bill collector? He didn't say. Okay, Iron Man, send him in. Check. Mr. Graffius, Mr. Broderick will see you. Thank you. Mr. Broderick. In the flesh. Okay, Iron Man, step outside. Check. If you need me, I'll be outside. I'll have to excuse Mr. Doolin. He's a very useful man if you happen to want a house moved or somebody's head unscrewed from their shoulders. His reflexes aren't too good. He's what you might call underorganized. I suspected as much. All right, Mr. Graffius. Let's get down to business. Precisely. I would like your assistance in having me locate something here in New York City. Just what are you trying to locate, Mr. Graffius? The Martian Embassy. Would you say that again very slowly? I came to New York to locate the Martian Embassy. Martian? Like in Buck Rogers? Precisely. Agents of the government of the planet of Mars. Dolan! What's the trouble, boss? Come out, he's a crackpot. Of course, if you wish me to leave, I will leave. But before I go, you might examine this. You'll find it quite authentic. Holy mackerel. A five-century note. Let me see that. Uh, sit down, Mr. Graffius. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Dolan, get Mr. Graffius a light. Check. Okay, Mr. Graffius. Your remarks about our speckled friends, the Martians, I shall ignore. This being the year 1955, I assume you were joking. On the contrary, I'm completely serious. As it happens, I'm interested only in Martians at the moment. Uh, I see. <clears throat> okay, uh, shoot. It occurred to me in the course of my studies that we Earth people cannot possibly be the only intelligent form of life in the universe. Out of the infinitude of stars and planets, there must definitely, mathematically, be others. Since Mars is older geologically, and since it is also an atmospheric planet, its evolutionary history could easily be similar to ours, you follow me? So far, I can't say no. But if this is true, then they must have been watching us, observing us, for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. What for, blackmail? Shut up, Dolan. They know, then, that we are not far from achieving space travel. Atomic rocket ships that can travel to other planets. They also know we're a militaristic warlike race. We might conceivably set out to conquer and occupy Mars one day. In which case, they'd uh, try to get the jump on it. Uh, precisely, Mr. Rodriguez. And how would they do that? For a civilization as old as theirs, space travel would be a simple enough matter. Flying saucers. I read about Relax, it. Relax, Iron Man. Go on, Mr. Graffius. If you were planning to attack an unknown nation, what would be your first move, Mr. Broderick? Intelligence. Find out what the odds are. You have a very logical mind, sir. You would send agents to scout the nerve centers of earthly civilization and advancement. Not in Kansas City or Equatorial Africa, my dear sir, but here in New York City. The most technically advanced spot on Earth. Uh-huh. And, uh, you want me to help you prove this theory of yours? Precisely. Expense does not interest me. Well, this may take a very long, long time, Mr. Graffius. After all, nobody's ever seen a Martian. I assure you, they will be very ordinary-appearing people. Very likely they live together in downtown New York, close to the newspapers and publishers, the news cables, communication centers, and the financial center of Wall Street. 
Most certainly, they live in a private house with no servants to pry into their affairs. Some ordinary people who live in a private house in downtown New York. I might just as well look up Martians in the classified section of the phone book. <laughs> there is one other lead which might help you. What's that? They would be almost certain to subscribe to every conceivable type of newspaper, scientific journal, foreign language publication. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be something. Okay, Mr. Graphius. It's a deal. Excellent. I shall contact you tomorrow. Oh, uh, before you leave. Yes? Just as a matter of interest. Why are you so interested in meeting up with these Martians? Mr. Broderick, I wish to avert the catastrophe of a successful Martian invasion of the Earth. Naturally. I cannot go to the police or the military. I'd be laughed out of existence. So I'm doing this privately. You seem to know all the answers, Mr. Graphius. Not all of them, Mr. Broderick. Not quite all the answers. Not quite yet. Hey, boss. Here's a private address. Takes everything from Pick Magazine to the Manchester Guardian. Listen to this. Pick, look, Scientific America... The Daily News, The Daily Worker, The Police Gazette, The Journal of Engineering, Scientific Quarterly, American Psychiatric Journal. Let me see that. Oh, Dolan. Dolan, sometimes I wonder. What's the address on this? 9 West 124th Street. Which happens to be the Harlem branch of the public library. Oh. Now listen, noodle brain. Check all the renting agents. Find out every private house in downtown New York. And then cross-check with the magazine subscription departments of the scientific magazines. You got that? Check. I wonder. Boss, what's the sense of all this? We know there ain't no Martian embassy in New York. This crackpot is paying us $100 a day and we got to keep him happy. You understand? Yeah. Also, I've got a hunch that Mr. Graphius isn't looking for any Martian embassies. He's looking for something quite different. I'll start making with a telephone. <laughs> Which house is it, Dolan? Right down there. Number 108. You find out anything? Not a thing. I've been watching the place for a week now. Nobody comes out. Nobody goes in. I asked around. Nobody knows nothing. You ain't been blabbing around the neighborhood that we're looking for the Martian embassy, have you? Boss, uh, I'm stupid. But I ain't that stupid. Who'd you talk to? I struck up what you might call a casual acquaintanceship with those two girls standing with the baby carriages up the street. They're cute ones. Real cute. Mm. I look, Dolan. Don't try to do anything intelligent. Just keep walking up and down. See? Check. I'm going back to the office to meet Graphius. See you later, boss. Hiya, beautiful. Hiya, Flatfoot. How did you know I was a detective? Your socks are bagging at the arches. <laughs> <laughs> well, stick around, beautiful. I'll be back in a few minutes. And we can make some beautiful music together. <laughs> Listen to Romeo, Helen. The name is Dolan, honey. Iron Man Dolan. Your line is getting rusty, Iron Man. What do you want to fool around with him for? He reminds me of my husband. The big, good-natured slug. Helen. Helen, look. Oh, hey, Dolan! Dolan, look out! Look out! <laughs> Helen? 
Yeah, just so sure. Sure. Uh, Doolin found a house down in Greenwich Village. Privately rented. Number 108 Conklin Street. Nobody seems to know anything about who lives there. Except that they subscribe to every paper and scientific journal put out. And also they have a peculiar antenna on the roof. You don't suppose your Mr. Doolin will try to get inside the house? No, he knows better. Mr. Broderick, I assure you, if that place is the Martian Embassy... Doolin can take care of himself. Still, I wish you had informed me before. Well, that's probably him reporting back now. Excuse me. Hello. Yeah, speaking. Doolin? Yeah, he works. What? Oh, no. No, I can't think of any. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, I'll be right down. Okay, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, right away. Something the matter? Doolin is dead, Mr. Graffius. What? They found him splattered all over the sidewalk in front of number 108 Conklin Street. How? How did this happen? There were some witnesses. They said a building cornice dropped on him. A cornice? But how? Fell off the building next to 108, right on top of him. Come on, we can get a cab. I have to identify the body. I'm Broderick. Oh, well, there's your boy, Broderick. Not very pretty. Oh, mother in heaven. That's a thousand-pound hunk of concrete. Where did it come from? Dropped off the roof of 106. Anybody see it? Yes, a couple of maids pushing baby carriages. One was so shaken, we had to send her to the hospital. The other one is hysterical, but she can talk. Can't seem to get any sense out of her, though. Do you mind if I talk to her? Not at all. I'll be back in a minute, Graffius. I'll wait here. She's standing right over there with the patrolman on the beat. Uh, oh, Hanson. Yes, sir? This guy wants a few questions for the girl. Please. Please, I told you what I saw. How many times I gotta tell you? Yes, the dead man was a personal friend of mine. Would you tell me what happened, please? Helen and I were standing in front of Rathman's candy store up on the corner. We both had the babies up. I worked for Mrs. Gillian on Washington Square North. This... He, he said hello and joked a little... Then he walked down the street just like he'd been doing all week. Hadn't taken more than a few steps. What? Please, miss. Oh, it's I, very important. I tell him, but they don't believe me. What do you tell him? How it happened. Tell me. It's too awful. Please. Well, well first he squashed. And then the stone fell on it. What do you mean, he squashed? They don't believe me, but Helen saw it, too. She saw what? First. Then it fell on him. He was mashed flat before it even hit him. Now, look, that's the story, Broderick. Please, please, let me alone. Let me go home. I told you what I saw. Now, let me alone. Let me alone. Did you learn anything, Mr. Broderick? Huh? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's crazy. Mr. Broderick, if I may make a suggestion at this point, perhaps it would be better if we drop the entire matter. What's eating you? First you come at me with a chain of nonsense that you're staking real cash on. And now when we hit solid trail, you want to call off the dogs. Or maybe you operate that way, but Broderick doesn't. May I ask, then, what do you intend doing? As soon as the cops clear out and this place quiets down, I'm going to pay a personal call on the Martian embassy. Whatever number 108 is. <laughs>
open that door. That two heads are ten fingers. I'll drill you like a platoon of rookies. Yes? Oh. Well, young man. Oh, excuse me, ma'am. Is the lady of the house at home? I'm the lady of the house. Well, uh, my name is Broderick. Uh, I represent the Manhattan Child Adoption Center. We're soliciting funds and clothing for stranded and unadopted children. I wondered. Oh, won't you come inside? Well, we don't usually... Oh, nonsense. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Besides, my son, Lauren, is working at home. Your son? He's a bibliographer. He writes summaries of articles and books from scientific journals and publications for libraries and universities. I see. Well, just sit down, Mr. Broderick. We get so few calls, and I do like to visit. Oh, thank you. <sighs> now, what was it you wanted to talk to us about? Oh, well, uh... I, uh, I wondered if you or your son, there's nobody else living here. No, just Lauren and I. I'll have to ask him about the contribution, but I'm sure he'd like to. Good. Uh, thank you very much. I'll send the representative to collect. Oh, please, stay a moment. I was just about to have tea. Let me pour you a cup. Oh, no, thanks, really. Uh... No, young man, I insist. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting awfully tired of having tea by myself every afternoon. You know, I'm not very much of a tea drinker, but this seems to have a strange taste. It's my own recipe. The secret is in the brewing. That's sweet. It almost metallic. It takes a few sips to get used to, like olives. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think I'd better be running along. Oh, but you haven't finished your tea, Mr. Broderick. I'd better be going. I'm late. Oh, you're not being very polite. Do finish your tea. No, really, I feel funny. Oh, I'll call Lauren. No, no, I'm leaving. Oh, I'm sure Lauren can help you. I'll call him. Oh, no, no. Oh, but I must. Besides, you aren't well. Gee. Lauren! Get out. Lauren! Lauren, hurry! Got us out of my way. No, you must stay. Hey, I struck my teeth. Let go of my arm. Lauren! Let go! Get out of here! What, heaven? The other one said, Roderick, he was here. I drugged his teeth. He got away. Fool, idiot. Go after him. Use the pressure ray. Risk another murder on our doorstep. Are you insane? But he suspects. We'll have to take our chances. We'll have to think of some other way. How did they find us? I don't know how, but I'm certain someone else sent them. Who? I don't know. I'm afraid to let myself think. It might be... them. That's the one. He bumped into a gentleman, and then he pulled at my arm. All right, miss. I'll take care of it. Come along, mister. I'm going to give you a break and take you back to the wife and kids. No, no, you can't. Sick. Sick, is it? What's the matter? Drug. They drugged me. Who drugged you? Number 108. Martians. Who? Martians. Number 108. The Martian embassy. Well, I've seen them with pink elephants, rabbits, and mice, but you're the first one who's got marks. That's true, I tell you. Uh-huh. Come along. Please, my name is Broderick. I'm a private detective. We'll find out about this. 
sort of thing before. Can you manage okay? We'll be fine, thank you. You've been very kind, officer. Oh, nothing at all, Granny. I know how it is with these alkies. Well, I'll be seeing you. Mr. Broderick is regaining consciousness, Mother. What happened? Get get up. Do not struggle, Mr. Broderick. It'll be impossible for you to rise from that chair. The pressure from this ray will keep you there. Ray? What? Who are you? You've already guessed, Mr. Broderick. You mean this really is? Martian Embassy, yes. You have the honor to be the first prisoner of the Imperial Government of Mars. Yes. After the invasion, of course, you will all be our prisoners. Hey, look. What sort of a business is this? No business, Mr. Broderick. As your people will soon find out. Our preparations for invasion are nearly completed now. As soon as we give the signal, our armed forces will launch a surprise attack. And then the Earth will be ours. You're crazy. Not half as mad as you, Mr. Broderick, to come muddling so foolishly into our affairs. That was a fatal mistake. Dolan's death. There's no accident, then. Assuredly not. We found it necessary to use a pressure ray on your friend. The block of concrete was an afterthought. We thought it might help to avert suspicion. All right. What happens now? If you cooperate, you can look forward to a quick, painless death like your friend, Mr. Doolan. If not? This pressure ray has many delicate adjustments. It can move a pin, or it can crush a boulder. Let me demonstrate. <laughs> See, Mr. Broderick, as if an invisible vice were crushing you. What do you want? The name of your client. We are interested in knowing who is so anxious to locate the Martian embassy. The names of my clients are confidential. Well? All right, all right. Turn it off, Mother. Mr. Uh, Broderick has seen the wisdom of speech. His name is Graphius. Graphius? Yeah. An unusual name for an Earthman. Describe him. Well, I don't know if I really can. Mother. Describe him. He's tall. He's got a big forehead. And about 60. He wears thick glasses. He's bald. Lawrence. Sounds like one of them. Yes, it does. Contact the planet. Tell them we suspect that our plans are known. Ask for an acceleration of invasion day. At once. What about me? I am sorry, Mr. Broderick, but I am afraid you know too much now. In exactly five seconds, you will feel the full impact of the ray which faces you. 
I would suggest that you relax and meet your fate calmly. Now, wait a minute. You will feel no pain, just a wall of force engulfing you. Listen, I... Five. No, you can't do this. It isn't human. I know, but we are not human. Three. Yeah, but... Two. No. One. Other in heaven. Now. Lauren. It didn't work. Something's happened. The magnetic field is dead. Get it working. We've got to get rid of this one. Now, listen. Listen, you guys. I can't understand what's gone wrong with the ray. Why would it suddenly stop like that? Perhaps I can explain. What? Gratis. It's you. Yes. Lauren. Stand back from the pressure ray, please. It will not function anyway. I have decontrolled your field. Lauren, it's one of them. They found us. Did you think we wouldn't? I trust you have not harmed my friend, Mr. Broderick. He's been very useful to me. Brother, am I very glad to see you. Talk about the Marines landing in the nick of time. You're free to move now, Mr. Broderick. I don't know how you got in here, Crafius, but stick around. These babies are really Martians, just like you said. They're planning to invade the Earth and take over. There will be no Martian invasion. You keep these characters covered. I'll get the police. There will be no need for the police. I intend to handle them myself. But the police will... Do not call the police. Why not? You fool of an Earthling. Don't you realize with whom you are dealing? The invasion of Earth by Mars will be like child's play compared to... Holy mackerel. They just flattened out. Like your friend, Mr. Doolan. I detest the use of violence where the intellect can rule. But unfortunately, the Martians are a threat to us. It must be destroyed. I believe you now. Another five seconds, they'd have finished me. I'm glad you didn't waste any time. There is little time to waste. The Martian invasion was to have taken place next week. Yeah, I... Hey, they never said that. How do you know? You would not comprehend. Wait a minute. There are some things here I do understand. A second ago, that pressure ray didn't work. Now you're using it like it was a toy. How did you get in here, anyway? Who are you? Another one of those Martians? No, Mr. Broderick. I happen to be a Venusian. What? A representative of the planet Venus. Venus? That's impossible. Not at all. The Martians are really an inferior race. You Venusians are much farther advanced. As much as we are over you, Mr. Broderick, the Martians would simply have conquered and enslaved your people. We Venusians felt compelled to exterminate you completely. That's impossible. Oh, no. Now that we have disposed of the Martian threat, what is there to stop us? Our invasion begins tomorrow at noon. By nightfall, the Earth will be ours. Oh, brother in heaven. Either I'm completely cuckoo or... Oh. Oh, well, this is really on the level. You needn't edge toward the door, Mr. Broderick. You're thinking of running for help, aren't you now? I can read your thoughts quite clearly. Suppose you're going to knock me off like our Martian friends. On the contrary. Go ahead. Leave? Why not? Why don't you try it, Mr. Broderick? Because the minute I turn my back, you're going to let me have it. Suppose you try it and see. I've no interest in stuff. Go ahead. All right, Buster, you ask for it. It will do you no good. No good! You will see! Here, here, where do you think you're running to? The officer, officer, listen to me. Oh, it's you, the one with the mask. Yeah, that's right. Huh? That story is true. They're inside that house, inside number 108. He killed them. Who killed them? Raffius. He's the leader of the Venusian invasion. Venusian invasion? That's right. Tomorrow at noon, they're going to take over the earth. 
Alice, go in that house. Martians, now Venusians, eh? Okay, that's enough for me. Come along. We haven't got much time. Hey, wait. Where are you taking me? Bellevue Psychiatric Ward, my friend. Come Bellevue, on. no! No, come on. No, why don't you listen to me? Why are you such a fool? Let go of me. You're as a bed bug. Come no! on. I tell you, there's going to be an invasion. The Venusians are going to invade us. Don't you understand? you got to believe me. you got to believe oh, me. Sure, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. Oh, why don't they listen? You have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension X. traveled the space lines from Mars to Venus to the moons of Jupiter. No captain could refuse to carry Riesling and his battered guitar. He sang of all the wonders of the galaxy. But his greatest song was of the sight he would never see. The green hills of Earth. Tonight, Dimension X has presented The Embassy. A story by Donald A. Walheim, as adapted for radio by George Leppard. Joseph Julian was heard as Broderick. Barry Kroger as Graphius. Your narrator was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman, engineer Don Habit. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. Stay tuned for The Jack Benny Show, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Jack Benny Show. Now, just before we begin our episode tonight, a few thoughts about Mr. Benny and his car. Starting with the October 24th, 1937 radio show, when Jack proudly announced the purchase of his car, a running joke began that Benny drove an old Maxwell automobile, a brand that went out of business in 1925. And although some details, such as the car's body style and its exact model year, would vary over the years, What remained constant was that Benny's old car was so worn out that it had barely run, but the miserly Benny insisted he could get a few more miles out of it. Many of the sound effects for the car's clattering engine came from an actual old motor that the sound effects shop had salvaged from a Los Angeles junkyard. And when a sound effects man missed a cue for the automobile engine, Mel Blank quickly improvised a vocal imitation of a sputtering car engine starting up noisily that was so funny it became a regular feature of the show. And now, on with the show and the episode Christmas Spirit. The Lucky Strike Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Beverly Hills. It's morning and hundreds of people brimming with the Christmas spirit 
are waiting for the local department store to open its doors. Oh, Mary. Mary, where are you? Here I am, Jack, right behind you. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mary, how'd you like the way I wiggled myself through this crowd, right up to the front of the line? Yeah. Those rumble lessons you took from Arthur Murray really helped. I'll say. When we started, we were way at the end, and now there's only one man ahead of me. Hello, Jack. Hello, Mr. Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, look, Mary, they're getting ready to open the store and let the crowd in. I can see the manager walking over to the floor wall. Jasper, what is it, Mr. Simpkins? It's almost time to open the store. Are all the clerks at their station? Yes, sir. Good. You will open the doors in ten seconds. Are you ready for final inspection? Yes, sir. Hair? Comb. Chin? Out. Jacket? Pressed. Carnation? Moist. Good. (laughs) It is now nine o'clock. You may open the doors and guide our customers into the store. Yes, sir. Mule train! Mule train? Jasper, how could you do a thing like that to our customers? When I saw those faces, I couldn't control myself. (laughs) Wait here, Mary. I'll be right back. Jack, don't get into it. Never mind. Say, mister, are you the manager? Uh, Yes, I am. Well, as one of your steady customers, I resent being ushered into the store like a mule. I apologize, sir. I've never been I said, I apologize. Put your ears down. Now, look, mister. Jack, I told you not to get into it. Come on. Oh, all right. Jack, I'd like to go to a store with you just once where you don't get into an argument with everybody. Look, Mary, I'll admit that sometimes it may be my fault, but not this time. Imagine driving customers into a store yelling mule train. Well, don't stand there complaining. Go have your coat fixed. My coat? His whip tore your sleeve off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I'll just pin it and then fix it when I get home. Come on. Mary, what do you think I ought to get for my sister Florence in Chicago? Oh, I don't know. It ought to be something nice. You know, Mary, I have no brothers and no other sister. Florence is my only close relative. I ought to get her something really nice. Uh, what'd you get her last year? A pencil sharpener. <laughs> oh, how sweet, Jack. But then she is your only sister. Yeah. <laughs> After all, you know. Jack, let's go outside and come in the store again. Why? I want that guy with the whip to get another crack at you. <laughs> Nothing doing. He had his chance. Anyway, I can't understand a store like this bringing customers in just the way... Hey, they... pardon me, mister. Did you see my wife? Huh? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Did you see my wife? No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I don't even know your wife. Then how do you know you didn't see her? <laughs> Now, mister, how would I know... I can't stand here jabbering. I better go look for her. <laughs> now, come on, Mary. Let's oh, go. Oh, Jack, look. There's Dennis. Where? Oh, yes. Hey, young man, what can I do for you? Gee, I don't know what to get for my mother. She goes horseback riding a lot. Maybe she'd like it if I buy something for the horse. I say, mister. Yes? How much is that horse collar? Horse collar? Yes, that white one hanging up there on the wall. Young man, this is the plumbing department. (laughs) 
Just what is it you're looking for? I don't know, but I'd like to get something for my mother. Well, I can call the ladies' department and save you some time. Did you have anything in mind? Yes, sir. I think a dress would be nice. Oh, that's an excellent idea. What size dress does your mother wear? 36. 36? Uh-huh. I think I ought to get her a nightgown, too. Size 58. Now, wait a minute, son. If your mother wears a 36 dress, why would she wear a 58 nightgown? She doesn't sleep in her girdle. <laughs> young man, young man, I think you're a little confused. However, I will admit there is a little variation in size, but very slight. Gee, I hope that movie company doesn't find out. Movie company? Yeah, they want my mother to take off her girdle to advertise their new picture. What picture? Lost Boundaries. <laughs> Young man, would you do me a favor and shoplift something so I can have you arrested? What? Hey, let it go. Is there anything else I can do for you? Uh-huh. Those men's shirts in that case across the aisle, are they real silk? Oh, yes, they are. They'd make a wonderful gift for your father. Oh, they're not for my father. I'd like to buy them for Jack Benny. Jack Benny? Do you know him? Oh, sure. He's on one of my shows. <laughs> Dennis! Dennis! Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Doing your Christmas shopping? Yeah. Gee, I was just going to decide on Mr. Benny's gift, and he had to walk up and spoil the whole thing. Oh, I'm sorry, kid. I, I didn't know you wanted it to be a secret. Yeah. Now you'll have to close your eyes. Okay. Got them closed? Uh-huh. Okay, mister, you can wrap it up now and put it in a shoebox so he won't know it's a shirt. <laughs> can I open my eyes now? Yeah. Gee, that was a close one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, say, Mr. Benny, while my packages are being gift wrapped, would you like to step over to the music counter and hear a record I just made? Oh, sure, kid. Come on. Oh, miss? Yes? Do you have the latest record made by Dennis Day? You mean I must have done something wonderful? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, would you play it, miss? I'm sorry, but our record player is broken. Broken? Yeah, all day yesterday, every five minutes, some curly-headed jerk kept requesting, that's what I like about the South. <laughs> I think I know who you mean. Uh, why didn't you tell him that you refused to play it? And get hit with a ham hock? <laughs> oh, yes, he's never without one. Gee, and I wanted you to hear my record. Well, if it'll make you feel better, Dennis, you sing and I'll spin you around. Eh? Okay. Okay, come on. Something 
I bet it's a swell record. Say, Mary, don't you think that song will be a... Mary? Now, where did Mary go? Well, she's way over there at the end of the counter. Oh, yeah. May I uh, wait on you, miss? Yes, uh, I'd like to get something for a gentleman. A gentleman? Your uh, husband? Uh, no, my boss. He's been nice to me, and I'd like to show my appreciation. Oh, here's something nice. A gold tie class. A gold tie class? No. Well, how about a gold keychain? No. How about gold cufflinks? Look, mister, I don't want to get him anything. He can melt down. <laughs> Gee, I wish I could think of something. Well, miss, perhaps I could help you better if you told me how closely you two are associated. Are, uh, are you engaged? Uh, no, we're not. Is he your boyfriend? No, as a matter of fact, he treats me more like a sister. How about a pencil sharpener? <laughs> Pencil sharpener? Yes, we ship one to Chicago every year. It goes to a girl named Flossie. Uh, you mean Florence? Well, I feel like I know her. <laughs> hey, hey, Mary. Mary, let's not keep losing each other. Yeah, I spend more... Oh, than... hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, hello. It's uh, on the way to Chicago. So, wait a minute. This year, I was going to get my sister something different. <laughs> Come on, Mary, let's go. You know, it's amazing how everybody knows I'm a comedian. Mary, I'm going to get something else for my sister. Now, is there anything else, sir? Well, I don't know, baby. Uh, let's see what I bought so far. Well, there's one black negligee. Yeah. <laughs> That's for my ever-loving wife. Oh, you're... You're married? Am I married? Why, I'm married to Alice Faye, the sweetest <laughs> little gal who ever... Oh, come on now, baby. Stop crying. There ain't enough of me for everybody. <laughs> yes, sir. Happens every time. <laughs> uh, let's see, honey. I've got everybody's present except one for Jackson. Oh, I know. I'll, I'll get him a pair of socks. What size? Uh, 11 and a half. These? Yeah. 
I'll just take off my shoes, put the new ones on, and then I'll be Mr. all right. Mr. Harris, I thought you were going to give socks to Mr. Benny. I am. Here are my old ones. Gift wrap them. <laughs> Don't you want me to sew up the holes first? No, no, no. Just throw in a needle and thread. And give the old man something to do when he gets home from his rumble leather. <laughs> Yeah, put plenty of ribbon on the box so the kid can play around. Hey, Phil. Well, dear hearts and gentle people. Funny running into you, Phil. Yeah, how's Alice? Now stop it. What's the matter with her? Usual thing. She's upset because she found out I'm married. Oh, now that's ridiculous. You cried a little too, Dad. But that was during the ceremony. It had nothing to do with you. Well, then why'd you cry? Because you wouldn't let him go on the honeymoon. Sorry, <laughs> stop. I've seen that. Right, Jackson, I've got to finish my shopping, kids. Look, I've got to get some uh, California pennant. California pennant? Yeah, you see, I'm going to the Rose Bowl game, and I want to cheer for California. But all they got in this store are pennants from Syracuse. Pennants from Syracuse? Sure. There's a big box of them right up there on the counter. See what it says? Syracuse pennant. That circus peanut. <laughs> Syracuse pennant. Phil, how can you be... He disappeared in the crowd. Good, good. Now, Mary, I wish you'd help me decide on something for my sister, Flora. Well, Jack, I've been trying to think. Gosh, I don't know. Hey, mister, are you sure you didn't see my wife? Uh, look, buddy, I'd like to help you, but I don't know what your wife looks like. Has she got any identifying marks? Well, she's got a birthmark on... Never mind, I'll look for her myself. <laughs> yes, yes, you better. Hello! Come on, Mary. Why does everybody have to pick on me? Well, have you made up your mind, sir? Huh? Oh, oh! I was just looking around. I sure would like to give my girl a ring like that. Well, I don't blame you. That's a beautiful diamond ring. Uh, how much is it? $4,000. That doesn't sound so bad. Uh, wait till I look at my bank book. Mm. Well? Uh, wait till I turn the page. <laughs> Well? Uh, well, I turn another page. Hmm. Well? Uh, just a minute, I'm on the last page. Well, what's on the last page? Put something in the pot, boy. <laughs> well, look, mister, if you want to buy this ring, you don't have to pay the $4,000 cash. You can pay for it on easy terms. All you have to do is establish credit rating. Uh, credit rating? Yes, I have the forms right here. Your name? Rochester Van Jones. Are you employed? Yes, sir. Who do you work for? Jack Benny. Oh. What are your duties? You mean you want to go on? (laughs) Why, yes. What are your duties with Mr. Benny? Well, besides being his rumble partner, I'm his personal secretary, legal advisor, attorney at law, and I also select the scripts for the movies he makes. You pick his movies? He has to blame somebody. (laughs) Well, I don't agree with you. I think that Mr. Benny is a great entertainer, whether it's stage, screen, or radio. And as far as I'm concerned, his last picture was one of the funniest I've ever seen. You keep talking like that, and you'll be in line for a pencil sharpener. <laughs> Jack, I think Rochester's over there picking out a gift for you. Yeah, I guess so. I don't want to see me, so let's move on. Oh, Jack! Jack! 
Hey, it's Don. Hello, Don. Why, hello, Mary. Oh, say, Jack, I just bought you a present, but I felt it was silly to wait until Christmas, so I'm going to give it to you now. Here. For me? A mop? But, Don, what can I do with a mop? This isn't a mop. I just put a handle on it so you wouldn't be embarrassed carrying it home. <laughs> oh, I see. I thought the widow's peak was so you could get into the corners. <laughs> Don, Don, what have you got in that little bag? Oh, Mary, I'm glad you asked me. Here, here, I'll show it to you. The cutest thing you ever saw. What is it, Don? Well, see, it's a little toy merry-go-round. Well, what do you want that for? Well, now, here, let me show you. First you wind it up, and then you release the lever, and it spins around and plays music. Really? Let's see how it works, Don. Okay. shopping to do, so I'll meet you there later. All right, Mary. Don't be too long. Yeah, I wonder what kind of perfume I ought to get. Oh, there you are. What? Where is she? <laughs> oh. oh, for heaven's sake. Why do you keep asking me about your wife? I told you I don't know what she looks like. Well, here. I'll show you a picture of her. See? This? <laughs> this is your wife? Yep. <laughs> Seems silly of me to keep looking for her, don't it? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, miss, she must be in the store someplace, so just keep looking and you'll probably find her. I hope not. <laughs> Hello, Ruth. Ruth? Hello, Eve. Oh. 
I'd like to get out of here so I can stop running into such silly... Oh, here's a perfume counter. Must be something nice here for my sister. Oh, clerk! Clerk! Uh, what can I do for you, sir? <laughs> Are you the salesman here? Yeah. You're the salesman here in the perfume department? Don't take my word for it. Smell me. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Yeah. Now, what kind of perfume would you like to buy? Well, what kind have you got? I've got taboo, temptation, shocking, white shoulders, surrender, and you should excuse the expression, my sin. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think, I think my sister likes taboo, but I don't know whether to get it for her or not. <laughs> taboo or not taboo, that is the question. <laughs> hmm. I made that up myself. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Everybody says I'm another Milton Boyle. <laughs> well, your your face. <laughs> your face does look a little like a kinescope. <laughs> Now, let's, uh, let's see some other perfumes, please. Okay. We have some very nice imported ones. Evening in Paris. Uh-huh. Midnight in Madrid. Uh-huh. Here's a domestic one. Morning in the smog. <laughs> oh, are they, are they bottling it now? Why not? We got enough of it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I thought I'd stop here and get some perfume for Florence. Clerk, what's that? Oh, this is a very fashionable odor. It's called Eau Jude I'll spray a little on you. Say, that does smell nice. Yeah. And it's got penicillin in it to fight off virus X. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, you know. You... Hey, Jack, here's a perfume your sister Florence might like. L'eau de la vie crayon. L'eau de la vie crayon. What does that mean? Aroma of freshly sharpened pencil. <laughs> oh, you're no help. Imagine putting a clerk like you behind a perfume counter. Oh, this ain't my regular job. I just sell perfume during the Christmas rush. I thought so. What is your regular job? I'm a goose girl at Hollywood Park. <laughs> Come on, Mary. I've had enough of this guy. Hey, what's that? Well, we've been here all day, and it's closing time. You mean they're closing the store now? Yes. Jack, look out! You train! Oh, darn it. There goes my other sleeve. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, care food packages have been improved and increased with more meats and fats 
that mean health to hungry children and families overseas. Twenty-two and one-half pounds of life-giving food for $10. Delivery guaranteed. Send your contribution to Nonprofit Care, Los Angeles or New York. That's C-A-R-E, Care, Los Angeles or New York. Gee, Mary, this Christmas rush is awful, isn't it? Yes. Hey, look how crowded this bus is. Hey, Ruth! Ruth! Huh? How are you? How about you? I'm fine, fine. You ever find your wife? Who do you think is driving the bus? <laughs> oh, well, tell Chloe to let me off at the next corner. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday, two hours before my own show on the same network, the Actors' Company will present The Man Who Came to Dinner with Charles Boyer, Mel Farrar, Henry Fonda, John Garfield, Gene Kelly, Dorothy McGuire, Gregory Peck, Rosalind Russell, and yours truly, Jack Benny. I'm sure you'll enjoy the show. And another thing, ladies and gentlemen, the next time we meet, it will be Christmas Day. So on behalf of my sponsor, my cast, my entire staff, I want to take this opportunity to wish each and every one of you a happy and joyous holiday season. Be sure to hear Dennis Day and a day in the life of Dennis Day. Stay tuned for the Amos and Andy Show, which follows immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.